0: All right. Psalm 116. I mentioned last week that uh, this is is one of my favorite Psalms, but it also is one that you don't see very often. It may be in your own reading, but you don't see. Uh, it's not a bumper sticker Psalm like Psalm 23. It's not a we read this at every graveside Psalm like Psalm 23. It's not the what's your favorite Bible verse. Oh, Psalm 23 like Psalm 23. Uh, I I'm I was only half kidding last week when I said the reason that's so many people's favorites is because it's the only one they've ever read. And that's just honest truth is what that is. Read more. Get into the Psalms more. It's not like you don't have plenty of variety to choose from. I normally would not advise someone to just, you know, flip it open and see where it lands and just read that. But there are so many Psalms, you probably could actually do that. And you'll benefit no matter where you land. You will find that there is an incredible variety of Psalms. As I said at the beginning of this, you have everything from David in deep despair and wondering, God, where even are you to David at his highest highs and other psalmists at their highest highs, praising God and excited and just trying to shout and give glory to God and calling everybody else to do the same. So you really run the entire spectrum of the human experience and emotions in the book of Psalms. So if you think that your life is the only one that's a roller coaster, read Psalms. You'll find out that every seat on that thing is taken, okay? And and it's good. We need to know, and we get it through the Psalms, we need to know that all of these feelings and emotions, good, bad, and ugly, are normal. When you realize that they're normal, you stop thinking that it's, that it's something that, you know, I don't know how we're going to do this, and you realize, well, God's gotten millions of people through this. He'll get me through this too. He got David through. He got Solomon through. And boy, did Solomon have a roller coaster ride? He had more roller coasters than anybody else. Uh, But it just you start to realize God is good. God is faithful and God delivers and it's going to be all right, which is the primary message of this particular song. And just to kind of illustrate how underread and underappreciated Psalm one sixteen is, and it's just one of many I could have put into this category, is if one eighteen, for example, Psalm eight. There I mean there's a bunch. Just to illustrate though, I went to cause I put in our U version thing, which we have today, I uh, went to the U version thing and I always include something that's either on a the theme or the scripture or both uh as a reading plan in there that you can then go home, sign up for that and read through that for the next three or four days. As a devotional sort of a thing. When I go to look for one for Psalm one hundred sixteen, I get a big fat zero. We have no return for your your search. There there are no reading plans. I guess I need to write one. There are no reading plans on uh U version for Psalm one hundred nineteen. Again, if you go to Psalm twenty three, you'll spend the rest of your life just in that Psalm twenty three reading plans. Most of them say the exact same thing, but they're all there, right? Not this one. There's another topic within this psalm I'm going to come back to where there was also zero search results whatsoever. And I think it's telling about the spiritual condition of modern Christianity. It's that big. And we'll come back to that as we go later into this psalm. But first, I want to read the psalm again. We're going to look at the second half, but I'm going to read the whole thing. It's not that long. I love the Lord. This will be from the NIV. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary, and when I was brought low, HE SAVED ME. RETURN TO YOUR REST, MY SOUL, FOR THE LORD HAS BEEN GOOD TO YOU. FOR YOU, LORD, HAVE DELIVERED ME FROM DEATH, MY EYES FROM TEARS, MY FEET FROM STUMBLING, THAT I MAY WALK BEFORE THE LORD IN THE LAND OF THE LIVING. I TRUSTED IN THE LORD WHEN I SAID, I AM GREATLY AFFLICTED. IN MY ALARM I SAID, EVERYONE IS A LIAR. WHAT SHALL I RETURN TO THE LORD, FOR ALL THE GOODNESS TO ME, ALL HIS GOODNESS TO ME, I WILL LIFT UP THE CUP OF SALVATION AND CALL ON on THE NAME OF THE LORD. I WILL FULFILL MY VOWS TO THE LORD IN THE PRESENCE OF ALL HIS PEOPLE. PRECIOUS IN THE SIGHT OF THE LORD IS THE DEATH OF HIS FAITHFUL SERVANTS. TRULY, I AM YOUR SERVANT, LORD. I SERVE YOU JUST AS MY MOTHER DID. YOU HAVE FREED ME FROM MY CHAINS. I WILL SACRIFICE A THANK OFFERING TO YOU AND CALL ON THE NAME OF THE LORD. I WILL FULFILL MY VOWS TO THE LORD IN THE PRESENCE OF ALL HIS PEOPLE in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. All right, so there's a, there's still a lot here, even though we went through the first part last week. And that first part is this person, we don't know who wrote it, probably not David or he probably would have signed it, but whoever it is, this anonymous psalmist is in distress. And we don't, because we don't know who it was and we don't know the timing, we don't know what's going on. There may be a few hints in there, But whatever it was, this person felt overwhelmed to the point that they described their overwhelming feeling as having the cords of death wrapped around them. In other words, they felt strangled by life. They feel the breath of life just absolutely coming right out of them and not coming back. You've been there. Where you just aren't sure. Is this it, Lord? Is this how I go? Is this the end? Is, is, it, do I just, am I just gonna fade out in this pile of dust over here because it's 113? No, not, I'm not talking about the temperature, although we could, right? I'm gonna move down there. I think this better. I may be old, but I can still hop off the pulpit. Y'all will be witnesses. Maybe someday when I'm too old for that, then won't that be fun? When it happens, feel free to laugh. I will get mad. I don't like to fall, but y'all can laugh. So This person feels just absolutely overwhelmed by their life and its darkness. Uh, Yesterday was visiting with a relative of mine. They were talking about a time in their life when they were at the point where they felt like life should be over consider doing something about that you would never know you know why you would never know because this is a person who believes in the lord this is a person who turns to god in moments like that and they are a person that you would sit there and go well not this person oh yeah and other people may be sitting next to you and going well but not this person you may be sitting there going yeah been there felt that this person felt life should be over And they cried out, as we all should, to the Lord. And you know what they found? They found that the Lord answers. They found that the Lord hears. And they said, I'm going to praise the Lord the rest of my life. Because why? He heard me. He paid attention to me. So we talked about last week that the main starting theme of this psalm is God knows you and he hears you and he loves you and he cares about you. And he is actually listening. Those times where you go, I don't know if he is or not. Yes, he is. If you sit there and feel like what I don't know if he answers or not, all I feel like is he ever says no, you need to understand this. He doesn't just say no. Sometimes what he says is what you're asking for isn't the best, but the best is what I'm working on. The best, wisest answer, the soundest answer for your life is the one that he's going to answer with. Trust him. This person finally on the other side of that sees that. It says and so. I'm going to praise the Lord the rest of my life. And so we're going to look at his reaction to after he has been saved, after God has delivered him or her uh, from whatever it is that they're dealing with. How does that person respond? Because for us, many of us already know the Lord. We've already been through a lot of those moments. Maybe going through one right now. At some point, you get to the intersection of deliverance, healing, light at the end of the tunnel. And you have a new question, which is, and now what? What do I do with this, Lord? I'm grateful. I'm thankful. But where do I go from here? Here's where this person went from here. And I think we can learn from their example. So let's go back to uh, this list. Uh, Start this list. That's the word he uses. You can tell where my eyes landed around verse 12 and then 13. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? You ever ask that question, God, how am I ever going to make this up to you? Well, you know, the beauty of grace is you don't earn the salvation of God. But you still ask this question and you still live in response to grace. No, you don't earn any of it. God saved you before you could. God sent his son to die for you before you even born and sinned and needed a savior. He's worked all of that out. But you still, if you have a healthy heart and a healthy mind, come to the point where you ask the question but i want to live for the lord because of what he's done for me how do i do that how i make how do i make this life as paul words it several times a life worthy of the calling that i've received how do i make it look like i'm actually a saved person see what shall i do What, what do i do in return here's the answer i will lift up verse 13 i will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Let's deal with the first part first. How about it? I will lift up the cup of salvation. So in the image above, I have a picture of a priest with a pitcher pouring wine into this golden goblet, right? This is a a scene from a movie about uh, what's going on at the temple. When they would offer certain sacrifices, they would have what was called a drink offering. You can first read about this uh, in Leviticus 23, and there's several places in the book of Numbers, they'd have a drink offering. It would be just a part, it wasn't by itself, but it was a part of other sacrifices and other offerings. Leviticus 23, it is the sacrifice of the first fruits. And that sacrifice was a, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. You gave of the first fruits of your crops. And it was part of a grain offering as well. That was the main part was the grain offering. And it was praising God. We trusted you to bless us. We trusted you to provide for us. We trusted you to give us what we need to make it through the next year. And God, you delivered. You can't say thank you in a a grain offering until the grain is harvested. So this is not just a God we hope you will. This is a God here is a part of what you provided in your yes. And you would offer that as first fruits. It was the best first part of your crop. And you would offer that when they entered into the land and not before, while they were out wandering in the desert for 40 years, they could not offer a drink offering. It was only to be done once they got into the land uh, that had been promised and into Jerusalem and Judea. Okay? So when they offer in the land, they had the instruction I want you to pour a, a fourth of a hint of wine. I don't know goblet. You're gonna you're gonna pour this wine into this goblet, and when you're offering your grain offering, and then in number some other things, other offerings as well. When you offer that, you were gonna offer this gold goblet of wine up to the Lord, and this is the Lord's. It is a way of saying. Not to be crude, but it's a way of saying thank you and it's almost uh, granting a holy toast to the Lord for his goodness. I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will hold that cup and I will give this offering and I will shout God's praise in Jerusalem in front of everybody. We'll come back to that. And I will praise you, Lord, for all that you've done as they would lift this up to God. This person says, "That's what I'm going to do," and he's not just. And you can take this a couple of ways, and I think probably there's some of both. Yes, he's going to go and he's going to offer that sacrifice. And he's going to praise the Lord there in the temple courts and lift up the cup of salvation to God. But I think because of the phrasing here, I think, I think the writer is saying, "I will do more." He is saying, "I am going to give you praise." In gratitude i will lift my voice i will shout your praise the rest of my life nobody's ever going to know you 20 years and say oh you go to church i've been in those conversations where somebody there uh goes goes to church and it's happened here so i can use here as an example it's happened in every church i've ever been where i was in a conversation with two people one of whom comes to church And the other person doesn't and they find out the other one's a Christian and they go, oh, yeah, well, I go to church, too. I go over here to church at, at, let's say, early. I go to church at early. And the other person goes, you go to church? That's an embarrassing, painful moment. Hopefully, you've never been that person. But people have been that person. Not this person. Because they were going to make sure that the world knew god has been good to me and we have their psalm no attention to themselves they didn't feel the need to tell us who they were it wasn't about them it was about the lord and now here we are centuries and millennia later still praising the lord because of what god did to a person we don't even know what the deal was still giving praise Your life should be so full of gratitude to God. You say, well, what for? Well, if you don't know, we need to have a talk. Because the very fact you can breathe to say what for, you better thank the Lord that you can find grace to sing and to pray. You praise the Lord. It doesn't mean you have to be a walking billboard. It doesn't mean you have to be over-the-top, you know, goofy. But people ought to know. People who know you well ought to know who you are and why you are what you are and what God has made you. We are called to bear witness and not to hide our gratitude under a bushel. Not just our example. Our gratitude and our praise does not belong under a bushel either but that we praise the Lord for what he's done. And you do that in whatever way you find best for yourself. You don't have to become an imitation of somebody else in the way they do that. But you do that. Praise the Lord. In the second part of this, he says, verse 14, I will fulfill my vows. Actually, you know what? I'm jumping ahead. I just glanced out that and I do want to catch that because this is Paul. I didn't put that up there for no reason. He says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. He saw his ministry as this very offering that I was talking about earlier. We sing that song. If I be poured out like wine upon the altar for you, if I be broken like bread to feed the hungry. Paul said that first. Hey, we sing it, but Paul said it first. May I be poured out that your whole life becomes that wine given to the Lord. We sing the song, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Picture this the next time. Picture yourself lifting up that cup as in Psalm 116. Unto thee, O Lord, I lift up. Everything that you are, all that you are, not just a part. You were talking earlier about our attention and what we're watching and what we get caught up in and what we get dragged in. One of the vows we make is that the concentration of our mind will be on those things that are of the kingdom first. Seek ye first. I'm just going to go through the whole devotional songbook this morning. Seek ye. Why do we sing them? To get it back in our hearts. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what did Jesus say? And then all these things will be added to you. The things in the first part of the song that you're worried about will come when when your mind and when your heart and when your energies are first on the kingdom of God. So we fulfill our vows to the Lord and you say, well, I don't know that I've ever made any vows you did. You know, when you made those vows. Maybe the song sung that since we're doing songs maybe the song that sunday was all to jesus i surrender all to him i freely give you walked down an aisle or you sat across a table and said i'm ready and you went to the water and you were baptized into christ and in that moment everything you said and everything you did was lord i surrender all you have at least one vow. You have at least one vow. He says, what am I going to do? God has saved me. What am I going to do? You're going to keep that vow. God, everything that you've called me to be, I will be. Everything you call me to do, I will do. Everything you call me to give up, I will give up and complete the vow. Vows are not in vogue, in america in 2023 are they that doesn't matter whether you're talking about wedding vows or whether you're talking about the vows of the baptistry or whether you're talking about the vow to your bank to pay off your house we all feel like well that's all just paper none of which is true it was never just paper if you let me just say Young ladies, if the man tells you, well, that's just a piece of paper, move on, because that guy is just skin and bones. The heart ain't there. They're preparing ahead to leave. It's not just paper. It was never just paper. It was always, Lord, I promise you, this is how I will love them. Always. And you keep the vow. But that's just one. Now, I said I was going to come back, right? In our abandonment of keeping our word in so many things um, as a culture, we we still want God to keep all of his promises, don't we? We want him to keep his vows. We want him to keep his promises. So we have books. You go to the Christian bookstore. You got all these books. God's promises, God's promises, the promises of God, the promises God gives, the promises God keeps. Every title with the word God and promise in it, you can find it's out there. OK, and there are and some of them are good and some of them are fluff, you know, whatever. It's because people really like to think about what God's promised. I get it because that is our hope. It matters. God does keep his promises. But I went to those reading plans on YouVersion to put that into the little U Version outline again. And I searched for keeping our promises and keeping our vows. How many returns do you think I got? Butkus, that's what I got. Not one plan. How many could I get that said God keeps his promises and God keeps his vows? the, The whole rest of my life I could be reading those plans. There were a lot of fluffy ones on wedding vows, too. They were mostly fluffy. There was a whole lot of pink flowers involved. Need to be some more camel plans on keeping, because that's a two-sided issue, isn't it? Why do we expect God to keep his, but won't even read a plan about us keeping ours? Do I have to explain it? Probably not. We'll save some time because my timer just quit. (laughs) I don't have to explain that, do I? But what does this person say? I will fulfill my vows. I'm going to do what I promised God I would do. You know what grace is? Grace is not that you don't have to do anything. Grace is God keeps dusting you off so that you can fulfill your vows. God keeps healing you again so that you can fulfill your vows, that you can keep your promises. That's that's actually beautiful when you think about it. God not only forgives you, he says, I still see your potential. That did not end your story. It didn't break it to where you, now you have to come up with a lesser story. I'm still going to help you do this. It's still going to be right, and you're still going to be good, and I'm still going to bless you. That's grace. So he says it twice. He says it. He means it so deeply. He says it twice. Verse 17. He says again, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you. That's going back. It's just another way of saying the same thing again. I will lift up the cup of salvation. I'm going to go out there into the courts and I'm going to say thank you, Lord, in front of everybody. Because he says, I'm going to sacrifice a thank offering for you and call on the name of the Lord. And then what? I will fulfill my vows. He says it again. It means he really wants us to get it. He says, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. And he says it all over again. And then he says this this kind of weird thing. I kind of skipped it, but I do have to go back and catch it in verse 15. He says this thing about precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. Now let's put this back with verses 18 and with 13. He says, precious in, in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints or his servants, depending on your translation. This can be taken a couple of ways. And I, I, because we don't know the situation. Whichever one challenges you the most, use that one. It could be either way. He could be talking about he's, he's lost somewhat. This could be why he he felt so down and why he was having so much trouble depending especially on who he lost so it could be that he's just saying god you've gotten me through this grief you've gotten me through this hardship they still died but i get it you love them and death is different to you and death is different to god hey how can death be a, of a good saint a good servant be good to god because death to god isn't what it is to you. To you, it's a goodbye. To God, it's a continuation and a fulfillment of a promise. It's different. What we have to do is start to come and see it his way. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So that's one way you look at it. And I think it's a very good, healthy way. I would hold on to both these things myself. I do. The other way to look at it is this. He has said, I will fulfill my vows to the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his servants. And then he repeats the promise, and I will serve. To my dying breath, Lord, I will serve. Every last day, every last moment, every last thought, every last word lord it's yours and i will serve you until you call me home and that will be a precious moment because in that moment is victory so lord i'll fulfill that vow till i die till you call me home i am yours again i would choose to look at it both ways Because both of those are life-changing. What have you promised to the Lord? What have you given him? If you've been to the water and you've given him your life, it's everything. It may be your marriage. It may be your children. Think about Hannah. Praise to the Lord God. If you would just give me a child, if you'd just give us a son, I will give that child to you. And what did she do? She gave the child to the Lord. Think about this. How many psalms are written by David, by the man, that Hannah's son would anoint king? Her promise had meaning and depth. What you give your children to has meaning and depth. You vowed to raise them in faith. You vowed to raise them to live a righteous life. You don't make all the choices. Kids are free will agents. But to the ends that you are responsible in the midst of Jerusalem, fulfill your vow. As Christians, we signed up to spread the word of the gospel to a world headed to hell. Stop making fun of the world that's headed to hell and start giving them grace. It is not our job to demean and ridicule and mock and shout at the darkness how dark it is. It is our job to say, here is what the Lord has done to lift up the cup of salvation and to give them heaven, not hell give it to them with all you've got with every last breath let's fulfill our vow let's pray together